electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greek Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Anna Delvey is everywhere a downtown Manhattan socialite wants to be. Money, connections, she had it all you wanted to be her. With VIP access to everything cool in New York art and fashion. You wanted to be seen with her? She knew exactly how to use social media to bolster that image. She had over 40,000 Instagram followers. A social connector who easily draws in friends. Here's this person I liked who seems really excited to, to spend time with me. I was flattered by her attention. But the public face of Anna Delvey hides a litany of secrets. She looked out of place like she didn't belong there. She says she's a German heiress, but her friends start asking questions. You have her family, like living family. Do you even have family? This person I'd spent so much time with wasn't at all what I believed her to be. Who Anna Delby really is, is a young woman accused of trying to swindle more than $25 million from Manhattan financiers and who would sell out her own friends to get what she wants. I'd be up late at night having panic attacks, you know, just like pleading with her, trying to find something that would explain it or fix it. One of the oldest types of cons is the imposter. Especially someone with a lot of power, someone with a lot of influence, and Anna Delvey was that someone. Downtown New York City, epicenter of a young, chic, creative world. Where, in 2016, 28-year-old Vanity Fair photo editor Rachel Williams' life intersects with that of Anna Delvey, a new face on the scene. I met Anna out in New York one evening. I had gone out for some drinks with some girls I knew, and Anna joined us at this lounge on the Lower East Side. And I had seen Anna in photos on Instagram and saw that she had over 40,000 Instagram followers. She had a lot of artsy photos of travel and art and shopping, pictures with people in the fashion world. Rachel and Anna hit it off and begin a friendship, although their lives couldn't be more different. Anna has an unusual and somewhat fabulous address. She lives at the 11 Howard, an exclusive and sceny Soho hotel, popular with fashion and art professionals, with rooms starting at more than $500 a night. So a lot of Anna's lifestyle was very different than mine in all sorts of different ways. For instance, her living in a hotel full-time. I didn't know anybody else like that. For Rachel Williams, the timing is right for a new friendship. I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship, 
And here's this person I, I liked who's living walking distance from my apartment who seems really excited to, to spend time with me. We would often eat dinner or have drinks in her hotel. And she would always sign the bill to her room. The seemingly endless flow of champagne is more than Rachel can afford. But Anna doesn't seem to mind. She asked me at some point how much I made, so she knew what my financial situation was, but she really liked these ex expensive experiences. Anna was like, it's more fun to have someone there with me, so I was happy to go with her. When she is not treating friends to luxury experiences and being seen at all the most exclusive downtown restaurants, clubs, and events, Anna Delvey is working on her pet project, an audacious concept she calls the Anna Delvey Foundation. She wanted to create this giant art gallery space, a members-only club, restaurants, bars, lounges, and she had been meeting with lawyers and bankers trying to finalize the lease. Her foundation claims to have a board of directors with a who's who of top-tier artists, collectors, real estate moguls, and restaurateurs. Anna hires a London-based design firm to bring her vision to life in the form of an 83-page PDF laying out her plans. I mean, it ranged from exhibitions by top artists like Cindy Sherman and Daniel Arsham and Urs Fisher, who again are, you know, top, top blue chip contemporary, to multiple restaurants, artist residencies, a German bakery, and a very exclusive club. According to Artnet reporter Eileen Kinsella, in the New York art world, it is not out of the ordinary that a 20-something with a trust fund and a pension for modern art could be taken seriously. I would have thought this is a very wealthy person with extremely high ambitions and ostensibly the power to make it happen because I do feel a lot in the art world that things will come on our radar where it's a younger collector who clearly has access to a lot of funds and is able to easily immerse themselves in the art world and figure out who the best artists are and establish themselves sort of on the scene. And, and that's clearly what she did. The Anna Delvey Foundation centers on leasing a historic building at 281 Park Avenue South. It has this Gothic architecture. It's very stunning. And she claimed that she was negotiating a lease, part of which involved going to City National. That was one of the banks that she approached and saying that she needed a $30 million loan in order to make this happen. And that claim linked to another claim that she made, which was that she was a German heiress and that when she turned 25, she was going to be entitled to a 60 million euro inheritance. I admired that she was so motivated to do something with that wealth. And I, I admired her ambition and her focus. Anna spends much of her time networking with influential people, including the CEO of Blade, a private jet rental company. When Anna says she needs to fly to Omaha, Nebraska to attend the Berkshire Hathaway annual shareholders meeting, she books a private jet through Blade and doesn't blink at the $35,000 price tag for a round-trip flight to attend to what she says is family business. It seems to be just another day in the fabulous life of the German heiress. A week after her return from Omaha, Anna tells Rachel Williams that her visa is expiring and she needs to leave the country to reset it. Rather than return home to Germany, 
Anna decides she wants a more extraordinary trip to Marrakesh, Morocco. As socialites are wont to do, she decides she needs her every move videotaped. She had this idea that she wanted to create a documentary about the creation of her art foundation. And to do that, she wanted to first see what it was like to have someone around with a video camera. So she framed the trip to Morocco as though it were going to be this business expense and she was going to create some sort of footage from it. When Anna's preferred videographer backs out, Rachel introduces Anna to her friend, Jesse Hawk. Right away, I got the sense that she was very self-important. And she kind of demanded a certain amount of attention by the way she carried herself. She was really good at projecting the way she wanted to be perceived. That her ideas were unique or, or noteworthy. One week later, she had reserved this private villa at La Mamunia, which is this extremely opulent five-star resort in Marrakesh. And she booked it and then was like, who else should we invite? So she decided to bring the personal trainer who we'd been working out with, as well as a videographer. As it's a business expense, Anna has offered to cover the cost of the trip for all of her invited guests. But the day before they are supposed to leave, she hasn't booked the flights. So I'm texting back and forth with her, you know, I found these flights that could work for everybody, like, how can I help you? So I book four one-way flights using her credit card, but it doesn't go through. So I tell Anna, like, you need to call your bank. It's like $4,000, I think. Um, I, you know, assume that it's been flagged for fraud. And it created this sort of false sense of urgency, I think, which, you know, motivated me to, to, to say, oh, should I use my card and you pay me back? And she said, yeah, only if that's okay for you, I can wire you on Monday. Rachel Williams says she fronts the cost for the flight to Morocco. So that's how it started. It started with the flights, four one-way flights, about $4,000. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings, and voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. Anna Delby and her entourage arrive at JFK Airport to fly out of New York City on first-class tickets to Marrakesh, Morocco. Anna's friend, Rachel Williams, says she buys the tickets believing that Anna will reimburse her. But the expenses don't stop there. When we go to check in, and there's an issue, Anna has accidentally checked her wallet that she had all her credit cards in. So she has her passport and nothing else. But because she already owes me money, she says, can we just add, you know, the checked baggage 
to what I already owe you. So it was like one thing and then another thing. And then of course, for the rest of the time, you know, I booked flights that had a six hour layover in Lisbon. So I'm paying for meals for everybody, starting in the airports before we even arrived to Marrakesh. La Mamunya in Marrakesh is one of the chicest, priciest resorts in the world and a favorite with the fashion set. Anna reserves their most expensive room, a three-bedroom, $7,500 a night Riyadh or villa for the week. The hotel has like four restaurants and three bars and sprawling gardens and a private pool. I mean, it was ridiculous. Anna spent money like there was an endless supply. We were drinking two, three, four hundred dollars worth of wine or champagne every day. Documenting Anna is like watching one of your friends texting people on their phone all day, or sleeping, or eating, or drinking. I've got about 378 shots of Anna on her phone, though. <laughs> and so we kind of waited on her a lot, or just whatever her whims were. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> we went into this place called the Medina, which is this old ancient marketplace. It's a walled compound, you walk through it. And Anna was really focused on trying to buy some caftans, some Moroccan dresses. So we were shown to this dress store and Anna picked out $1,300 worth of jumpsuits, dresses, all of these things, goes to use her card. And of course, it's again declined. Rachel Williams is covering the incidentals, but there is a larger issue. The La Mamunya. They hadn't been paid a cent. And Anna just kept saying the same thing. She was a broken record, you know, like, I don't understand. I've given you the routing number or I've given you the bank code. I don't know why you're bothering me about this. The situation comes to a head when hotel security confronts Anna about her failure to pay for the villa. It was alarming to me. She seemed disconnected, I think, from the urgency of the situation. But she told me she was waiting on calls to be returned. One of the managers looked at me and was like, do you have a credit card? And I looked to Anna like, what? And she goes, can we just use it for now? The men weren't, they weren't smiling. They didn't, you know, I, I, I was intimidated um, and I, I felt pressured from, from Anna as well. Rachel Williams hands over her credit card and is told there will be a hold placed on the card until Anna Delvey's funds are accessible. The next day, Rachel leaves Marrakesh for a work trip, only to find out that the hold on her credit card at La Mamunia isn't just a hold. With no other form of payment ever presented, they run the entire cost of the stay splitting the charges on her personal and corporate American Express cards for a total of $62,000. She says, I'll wire you $70,000 on Monday to make sure all your expenses are covered. When I left, I had, I had sent Anna an email saying, okay, the amount you owe me is like, I think it was like $9,000 for the flights and everything outside the hotel. I didn't know it was possible for the entire hotel to go on my credit cards. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com/music or call 855-437-2154. 
Plan it, book it, live it. One travel. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings. And voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. Rachel Williams is a desperate woman. Two months after unexpectedly footing the bill for a nearly $70,000 Moroccan vacation that she says her friend Anna Delby promised to reimburse, Williams is still trying to get her money back, more than she made in a year at the time, from an elusive Anna. Over that period of time, that was by far like the darkest time of my life so far. I was barely holding it together. I would, you know, be unable to sleep. I'd be up late at night having panic attacks. I would wake up, you know, at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., just filled with so much stress, texting her, like, this really needs to be resolved. I don't understand why there's a delay. You know, just, like, pleading with her, trying to find something that would explain it or fix it. For weeks, Anna Delby says that her family accountant is working to wire the money from Germany. But it's tied up for various reasons. And no actual funds have made it to Rachel. Jesse Hawk says he is also owed money by Anna for video services he provided on the trip at Anna's request. I was constantly in contact with Anna through text message or email. I knew that Anna was the type of person that if you, if you upset her, she would just write you off. So... I was being as nice as I could be while asking her to please reimburse me for my expenses. I'm glad I wasn't Rachel because she certainly was in a situation that was way more difficult than my own. Five weeks after returning from Morocco, Rachel still holds on to hope that Anna is simply a rich kid who's irresponsible with money and that she will eventually get paid back. But in July of 2017, everything changes. Anna Delvey is arrested outside the swanky Beekman Hotel for failing to pay her $12,000 hotel bill. Anna enlists the help of criminal defense attorney Todd Spodek. The very first time I met her, she comes into my office and she's overwhelmed. The general feel was that she did nothing wrong. That, that she is not guilty of any crimes, and it's, it is a misunderstanding from everyone's point of view, which is common in criminal defense. A lot of clients often have misunderstandings uh, that lead them to being prosecuted. Very strange. For Spodek, the case is routine. Misdemeanor charges he thinks he can wrap up pretty easily. In September 2017, Spodek appears in Manhattan District Court with his client. We appeared in court thinking nothing of it, and that was the first time the media got wind of the case. Something about Anna Delvey catches the eye of freelance New York Post photographer Stephen Hirsch. I just had a feeling that there was something interesting about her. She looked a little out of place. She looked a little scared. And so I, I photographed her from a distance with a long lens. I mentioned it to the reporter after... 
On July 31st, 2017, the New York Post website headline reads, Wannabe socialite busted for skipping out on pricey hotel bills. Meanwhile, Rachel Williams and a couple of friends decide it's time to confront Anna Delvey face-to-face. They set up a lunch meeting at a crowded restaurant on Manhattan's west side. Williams decides to secretly record the conversation. You know, it started out, I think, just like, what's going on? Why is this problem happening? Why can't you access your money? And she would say things like, it's not my fault. It was a lot of blaming other people. She'd blame her lawyers, her bankers. Do your parents know anything about your situation right now at all? They're not going to do anything We asked her questions about like who are your parents? Like what are their names? You have her family, like living family. Do you even have family? I she gave this fictitious name for her dad. I remember it was like Daniel Decker Delvey. She like would make up these sort of lies on the spot. At the end of the meeting, Rachel Williams finally realizes that Anna Delvey is not the friend or the person she believed her to be. I remember texting with the videographer and he was like, do you think she's a fraud or do you think this is just a case of like rich girl can't access her money or something? And I was like, no, I think it's a long game con. The next day, Williams contacts the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And I sent them a link to one of the tabloid articles and I said, you know, I think this girl's a con artist. I really would like to speak to somebody I have information to share. I ended up getting a phone call and taking my little binder of evidence straight to the DA's office and sitting down with two prosecutors who basically said, said, you know, we think you're right and anything you can tell us will be useful. In a New York City conference room, 24-year-old Anna Delvey sits down with a banker and makes a lofty request. Anna Delvey had entered a city national bank located in Manhattan and attempted to procure a loan for about $25 million. Anna had stated to them that she was trying to get that loan in order to start up a business, which was supposed to be a museum of sorts, like an art lounge, in Manhattan. Delby provides German bank documents showing a 60 million euro trust in her name. But given her lack of financial history, City National denies the loan. So Anna Delby tries to get one elsewhere, this time with Fortress Investments. Fortress Investment had drafted a contract stating that they could tentatively give her $30 million predicated off of a background check. Fortress Investment requested $100,000 from Anna so they could do their due diligence on her. Anna, not having those funds, went back to City National Bank and requested that they give her $100,000 so she could give the $100,000 to Fortress. City National Bank approves Anna's loan. Anna was given the loan in early 2017. So by May of 2017, City National Bank saw that they weren't receiving any payments from Anna, and that's when they contacted the authorities. 
Detective Michael McCaffrey of the NYPD Financial Crimes Task Force takes the case. They asked what kind of documentation she had provided and what made the bank investigators think that this was a criminal act. They told me that they believed the bank documents that she had provided, which showed that she had about 60 million euro overseas in a trust fund, were fake. McCaffrey can find little information on the suspect. We had gotten her Instagram page, and she had gone by the name Anna Delvey. So we conduct our background checks on this individual, and we're not seeing anything substantial under the name Anna Delvey. At some point, we were able to ascertain that Anna's real name was Anna Sorokin. Background checks led us to believe that Anna Sorokin was born in Russia and was also a German citizen. McCaffrey then learns of Anna's recent arrest on theft of services charges for skipping out on her luxury hotel bill. Detectives keep digging and find other banks Anna had frequented. We found that Anna was opening bank accounts and writing checks to herself and depositing them into other bank accounts she had. That seems benign. However, she knew that she had a balance lower than the amount she was writing for the check. It's called check kiting. And Anna Delby pockets nearly $80,000 in the scheme. Once the funds would post or half post, and before the other bank knew that she had $0 in her first bank, she was withdrawing the cash. The banks would subsequently close these accounts, but they're still at a loss. McCaffrey also finds a complaint against Anna Delvey from a private jet rental company, Blade. In May of 2017, Anna had taken a flight to Omaha for a conference, and she was able, on credit, to get a personal plane that flew her down to Omaha. Anna never paid the $35,000 tab. In August of 2017, Detective McCaffrey presents his evidence to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. A couple weeks later, the DA's office reaches out with another possible crime to add to Anna Delby's growing list. The District Attorney's Office had contacted me and said I should speak with an individual named Rachel Williams, who stated she was a former friend of Anna, and she had been duped out of approximately $62,000 on a trip. I wasn't going to just wave a white flag and be like, okay, like, this debt's mine now. It was reassuring to find allies who felt motivated, you know, in, in continuing the investigation. Rachel never received any of the money that Anna had promised her for this trip. Before we had moved to an indictment of Anna, we added Rachel's complaint to our case. A grand jury indicts Anna Sorokin, a.k.a. Anna Delby, on seven counts, and an arrest warrant is issued. At this point, she was able to acquire $100,000, and she got pretty close to a $25, $30 million loan. We know that she was able to board a private plane and fly to Omaha, Nebraska. She was smart enough to steal $80,000 from a couple of banks. So we didn't know what Anna was going to do next. Anna Sorokin, the so-called fake German heiress, is scheduled to appear in Manhattan court on three misdemeanor charges. But the 26-year-old is nowhere to be found. I'm calling her and texting her, and my office is trying to reach her, and she's not there. 
Her attorney, Todd Spodek, is not the only one looking for Anna. The NYPD Financial Crimes Task Force has a warrant for her arrest. I had canvassed the local hotels that Anna might be staying at to see if she was currently residing there, which she was not. We attempted to, to track her phone, but the phone was off. So anytime we try and call the phone, it wouldn't go through. Detective McCaffrey turns to Anna's former friend, Rachel Williams, for help. And after she didn't show up in court, I got a phone call from the NYPD and the DA's office asking if I were to text her whether she'd respond. So I, I did reach out to her, and, and over the course of the months that followed, had to rebuild kind of a trust there and ultimately figure out where she'd gone. Through a series of text messages, Rachel is able to find out that Anna is somewhere near Los Angeles. This happened slowly. It wasn't this, like, fast-fire conversation that happened over the course of days. Um, I'm in California. Then she told me she was in a hospital. She, you know, for every 10 questions I would ask her, she maybe answered one or would say something else. So it was hard to get more information. Rachel finally learns that Anna has checked into a rehab facility. Unbeknownst to Anna, she was giving Rachel subtle clues as to where she was staying. She had referenced the tennis court. She had referenced the view of the ocean. So we were able to deduce which rehab facility um, Anna was staying at. Police figure out that in true Anna Delvey fashion, she has checked into the most expensive rehab facility in North America, in Malibu, California, called Passages. I'm not sure exactly how Anna was paying for this very luxurious and high-end rehab facility. However, given her previous criminal history and her grandiose lifestyle, it would not have surprised me if she had coerced her way into that facility with false promises of later payment. Ultimately, I was traveling to L.A. for work, and she suggested we meet up while I was in town. New York detectives see their opportunity to pounce and ask Rachel to lure Anna out of rehab for lunch. The day before and the day of our like lunch date, she was asking me for favors. She was asking me to go out and buy vodka and to pour it in water bottles and then to bring it to her in Malibu. Just the complete disconnectedness of her from the reality of our situation and, and the way that her behavior affected other people was so troubling that I just didn't, I didn't see any other way. Anna agreed to lunch. And on that day, the Los Angeles Police Department was waiting outside of passages. Anna left to take a taxi to go see her friend, Rachel. And at that point, she was arrested. Anna Delvey is booked into the L.A. County Jail, where she remains for 21 days without anyone to smuggle in vodka or champagne or designer clothes until she is extradited to New York. Detective McCaffrey goes to L.A. and flies her back. I remember putting my handcuffs on her, and it was an exhilarating feeling. We put her in the back of the car. We drove her, and I remember uh, the song Paradise City by Guns N' Roses was on, and I thought it was so ironic because there was nothing paradise about going to jail in Los Angeles and being flown back to New York and continuing to to serve time over there. So her paradise had ended at that point. Manhattan court photographer Stephen Hirsch is there to capture the fallen fake heiress's dramatic return. 
I photographed her in the hallway. She was wearing a, it looked like a plastic black jumpsuit. It was really shiny, I remember. And she looked for dogs. And um, she had her head down and she, she, she looked uh, distressed. Anna walks right past her lawyer, who hasn't seen or heard from her in three weeks since she skipped town. So that day is when I found out about the new case, the indictment for all the charges, and I was uh, surprised, to say the least. At the time Anna fled New York, she was facing three misdemeanor charges. Now she's in a world of hurt. Indicted by a grand jury on six counts of felony fraud, and one misdemeanor count for theft of services. So I realized that there was a tremendous more details that I had no idea about, and that now we're looking at three cases, and the exposure is quite high. Once the charges are made public, Anna quickly becomes a tabloid and internet sensation. Con artists are able to get people to hand everything over willingly, and I think that... That's what we're fascinated by because there is an artistry to it. I think it seems a little intoxicating to us. We say, oh, you know, that's really clever. That's kind of cool. No one really got hurt, so you kind of admire them almost. This was part of her mystique. Once she got her foot in the door with a few celebrities, a few influencers, a few key fashion people, all of a sudden people could look at that and say, ooh, I want to be in those pictures. I want that to be me. But will a jury be sympathetic to Anna? That is the question for her attorney Todd Spodek, as he tries to convince her that a plea bargain is in her best interest. Anna, however, has other ideas. Anna's decision was, listen, I want to go to trial. And as a criminal defense lawyer, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because even if you feel that a plea bargain is best, it's the client's choice, ultimately. I've never seen a con artist want to take a plea deal because that's not what they're about. They are about showmanship and they have an overblown sense of confidence. If she took a plea deal, it would have been in you know, page 12 of the newspaper. So she got one more shot in the spotlight, which I think she wanted. On March 20th, 2019, the trial of Anna Delvey Sorokin, the fake German heiress, opens at Manhattan Superior Court. In earlier court appearances, Anna wears prison-issued brown sweatsuits. But for trial, she steps up her fashion game, hiring a celebrity stylist to create her courtroom looks. Never without her signature chunky black Celine glasses, Anna's daily outfits often include a black choker, and some of the world's most expensive designer clothing brands. She would turn around and look in the courtroom, wanted to see who was there, kind of people were there covering her. But it was really about the clothes. It was the walk-in. The walk-in was the most important shot, because then you got the full length, and it was all about the full length. (laughs) We made arrangements for a stylist to help her, because there was nobody else to help her. So the media picked up on it that She's just not concerned about the case, and she thought this was the Met Gala Awards, and she's coming there all dolled up. In reality, who else was going to pick up the clothes? According to her attorney, Todd Spodek, most of the legal fees are being funded by an advance from Netflix, who buys Anna's life rights. 
And the story of the fake German heiress gets even bigger, with her face splashed across the tabloids and Instagram accounts dedicated to her fashion choices, Anna Sorokin appears unbothered by it all. It was very hard to understand what was going on inside her head. One day, she had held up the jury for a good hour one morning, and they were very frustrated, and the judge was frustrated, and her attorney explained that she wasn't happy with her outfit. And then when she did come into court that day, she just immediately, you know, bumped her glasses up and started crying. And it was one of the rare moments that I ever saw any emotion come out of her, any reaction. The prosecution presents a roster to powerful people in art, fashion, and finance who all take the stand to testify about their interactions with the young woman they knew as Anna Delvey. One of the things that was apparent to me from all the testimony was how she established credibility. She started to hang out with the right people. She seemed to have a knack for knowing who to impress, who to buy dinner for, who to buy champagne bottles for. And so, in a sense, she did establish credibility because she had that pattern of paying for things for so long with whatever means she was using. So I feel like there was enough of a mixture of her false representations and cunning that drew people in and kept them there and kept them believing she has a lot of money and she's got even more coming to her. Anna's former friend, Rachel Williams, also takes the stand. Being on the witness stand was one of the harder parts of this entire experience. Being cross-examined by Anna's lawyer, you know, he had his job cut out for him There was a massive paper trail. Like, I have so many text messages where Anna's admitting that she owes me this money, where, you know, it's all black and white. There's, it's there. The evidence is there. During the time leading up to trial, Williams has published an article about her experience in Vanity Fair, received an advance for her book, My Friend Anna, and sold her story to HBO. Anna's attorney paints her as an opportunist who has benefited greatly from her friendship with Anna and who was able to settle the $62,000 Moroccan vacation charges. I argued that unfortunate things occurred, but it's not a crime, and that Rachel on her own volition chose to pay for this hotel. She didn't have to, and the fact that she was ripped off happens. Lots of people get ripped off for lots of things, but it's not a crime. The right is to sue her civilly, bring a civil lawsuit and sue her. His only approach toward me was to try to assassinate my character, to paint me as an opportunist. I think also having it feel still so raw, I probably wasn't as articulate at explaining, you know, the reality of of events. I was mostly just emotional. After deliberating for two days, the jury finds Anna guilty on five of the seven grand jury charges, including theft of services for failing to pay for her private jet rental and attempt to commit grand larceny in the first degree for trying to falsely secure a $22 million loan from City National Bank. She is found not guilty of attempt to commit grand larceny for trying to acquire a $25 million loan from Fortress Investment Group and not guilty of stealing $62,000 from Rachel Williams for their lavish trip to Morocco. She took the card out and paid for the hotel. Nobody forced her to. Nobody made her to. It's unfortunate, and and I'm empathetic to it, but it's not a crime. And I think the jury believed that as well and acquitted Anna for that. I was 
devastated. I, you know, I was not okay for a second there. When we left New York, she was never going to be the one paying for that trip, and she knew that. The second she gave me a non-functioning credit card to try and book the flights, it became very clear that the tables had turned, and I became the one um, having to take the fall for that. Anna Sorokin returns to court to learn her fate. She really came off like she didn't care. If you just saw her, if you observed her, she looked like she was detached from it all. E even on the final day when there was this very harsh sentencing that was being read and the judge asked her if she wanted to say anything. I apologize for this day today. It certainly had no weight to it. It was not believable at all. The judge goes on to sentence her to four to 12 years in prison. Anna is ordered to pay $200,000 in restitution and a $24,000 fine. When her sentence is completed, Sorokin will be deported to Germany. After that is anyone's guess. But Todd Spodak believes that whatever his client does in the future will surely be memorable. I think she'll be on The Real Housewives of Munich or something along those lines. Um, I, don't, I don't know what her future plans are, but she'll go back to Germany. And I think that, um, from my experience with Anna, I think that she will go on to do something really big and exciting. And I think we'll all be watching. And hopefully she'll really be able to take this situation and turn it into something fabulous. The story of the fake German heiress has inspired a Netflix project by Shonda Rhimes and one for HBO created by Lena Dunham. Anna Sorokin is also working on a book. Sorokin was advised by her attorney to decline comment. For the detective who was instrumental in putting Anna Sorokin behind bars, there is but one takeaway from this story. If you want to be rich, try your hardest, work hard. Don't commit crimes. If you commit financial crimes, especially in New York City, we're going to catch you, we're going to find you you're going to face justice. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.